Hey, welcome back to Pigeon Hockey. This is Chris and today's co-host, Sebastian. Hello, hello. And you know us, we're just a goalie and a goon that have taken one too many pucks or fists to the head and do not claim to be hockey experts, but simply overzealous hockey fans that love to play, watch, read, and talk about hockey. On today's episode, we would like to welcome our special guest, the co-owner and GM of the EHL New England Wolves, Andrew Trimble. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. I find it to be a privilege to be on here. Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks for reaching out. When you reached out, I was really excited because, as you mentioned, uh, right before we jumped on the podcast, um, we had just talked to Sam Taffel of the new Union Thunder out of the EHL, and we love expanding um, even more EHL franchises here and, and learning more not only about the league, but each of the, of the individual franchises. So just to get us kind of started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what led you into your current role as GM and co-owner of the Wolves. Sure. You know, a similar up- upbringing as a lot of guys. Grew up playing hockey. I'm from New Jersey originally, a um, small short town called Manasquan. Uh, grew up playing hockey down there. Played junior hockey in Laconia, New Hampshire, back when it was a team called the Laconia Leafs. I was there from I think 1998, 99, that, that time period. After that, I went on to college hockey at SUNY Buffalo State. And after my college career, I, I got into the, the, the workforce and I worked uh, in the private sector. Uh, I was a financial advisor for a company called Bishop Rosen and Company in New York, and I was there for a, a number of years. And then when I got married, my wife was like, you know, you should get into coaching. You know, you think the kids could get a lot out of it. And, you know, that first kind of bite, uh, I was an assistant coach, and I and I got kind of that 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 excitement to be back in the rank and, and coaching hockey. And um, it's been a long journey to get to here. I've coached with a number of different organizations, everything from high school to youth hockey to junior hockey. But being with the Wolves here for the last seven years has been a real privilege and to, to grow this program and to be in my current position, kind of overseeing and a lot from a managerial perspective. And it's just been a lot of fun. And it's been it's been a great opportunity to be in a small town, coaching hockey and, and growing a great program. That's awesome. And, and especially your time there at SUNY Buffalo. As, as the listeners know here, uh, I've been told I bring up the fact that I'm from Buffalo a lot. Um, but at the same time I was leaving Buffalo, it sounds like you were going to Buffalo to play uh, college hockey. Uh, favorite place to eat there? Oh, my gosh. You know, late nights next to Heenan's, yeah. you got Jim's Steakout, right? That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yes, good. Nothing hits a spot like at 3 in the morning having a Jim's Steakout, having a chicken finger sub. <laughs> or like on a Sunday afternoon, you got some Mighty Taco. You know, you can't beat that stuff. Taco. Yeah, that is the stuff right there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How about oh, you guys? Yeah, uh, well, Sebastian's in Ottawa, but for me in Buffalo, uh, Sebastian, you ever been to Buffalo or no? No, I was satisfied in Rochester, but I mean, the only place I've ever eaten in that area was Dino Barbecue. And I mean, I'm never not going to go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Yeah, yeah for me, like going there, at Whirly Restaurant. Um was one of my places that's a uh, I can't even remember the names of the streets anymore. My my brain say it was Harlem, but I could be wrong there. Uh, but yeah, Whirly's restaurant. You had Athens. You had I liked a lot of the like the diners. Yeah. Um, in Buffalo, and of course, everyone's always talking about the wings in Buffalo. And I know a lot of people coming out of town want to go to like Anchor Bar, which is the home of the Buffalo wing. But seriously, if you go to any bowling alley in Buffalo and order wings, you're going to get wings better than anywhere else in the world. We know how to make wings. Absolutely. And, you know, the underrated thing, too, it's uh, I saw it on you know prior to the, the Bills uh, playoff game. Beef on whack. People don't talk about that. Either. Oh, wings yes. Is great, but beef on whack. What's better than that? 
nothing. Honestly, you forget about it. I've been gone for so long out of the city of Buffalo now that actually when I go home, I always get a beef on whack with some Loganberry. And uh, yeah, that's 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 a big win. But I could talk about food forever, so I'll skip my food questions later. But, uh, but you're the founder of Scoring Concepts LLC. Tell us a little bit about that and what it is that you do. Sure. I started that in New Jersey. I was coaching a high school team. And, um, you know, we at the end of the season, you know, we wanted to get our kids involved with um, just some camps and clinics. And I had kind of a, a ragtag group of coach, coaching high schools in a, in, a, in a place called Springfield, New Jersey, which is right outside Newark. And everything was really high end. You know, it's like uh, you have these you know, a lot of big camps and they're dealing with elite skills and really, you know, big names. Uh, but my kids weren't at that level. You know, I think you needed a fundamental approach to the kids who maybe are late starters and playing high school hockey. And so I founded Scoring Concepts and it started with one one clinic and it's now grown into several camps and clinics and teams in the summer. But it's really it's really it's not tailored to the just the elite kids. It's it's kind of a fundamental step by step approach. And I think what makes Scoring Concepts really strong is is the curriculum. You know, far too often you take these kids who are you know, may struggle with their skating or their puck skills and you throw them into like an elaborate drill and they just can't get the drill. But if you take like a step-by-step approach, to like a building block of, you know, skating your forward stride, then your transitions, then your edge work, you know, you really can develop a, a much better player in a, in a short period of time as long as you take that, the necessary steps instead of skipping any steps. So that's what scoring concepts is. It's camps, clinics, and private lessons, but it's more tailored to the, the meat of a player, not like just the high end or the starting out player. Like for me, I know hockey. I got my, you know, I guess my fundamental hockey stuff down. But uh, if, if you're kind of a late bloomer or you're late into a sport like I am with like Aussie rules football, they sometimes I'll go to a practice out here in Copenhagen and they throw me into a drill and I'm like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. They're like, well, just do this. And it's like, well, that's easy for you. You, you grew up playing this. I can yeah. hear the accent. But I can't. I. What am I doing here? Like, no, 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 no. You're 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 doing this wrong. You're kicking that wrong. I'm like, well, I haven't been taught how to kick. I know how to kick a, a football. I know how to play football, American football. But apparently, I'm kicking the ball wrong. Like, yes, when you do this, you have to do this, and if you do this, you got to do this. I'm like, okay, boom, step by step. What am I supposed to? Do? <laughs> you know. Sure. So it's it's an it's an important aspect of the game is throwing a player into a drill if they. If, if you know if the drill involves any maybe sideways movement or backward movement, especially if it's a defensive drill or something, if they don't have the skating down, they're just they're gonna feel out of place and they're not gonna succeed in it, and they might get frustrated, you know. Absolutely, absolutely, and I, I think that's where kind of like everybody wants to impress each other with with the, the next greatest drill or like this super elaborate setup. But at the end of the day, like kids need to know fundamentals. They need to, be able to skate. They need to transition. They need to be able to move left and right, be agile, and then you have to have a puck skills and be able to shoot pucks. And and we sometimes skip over that steps just to make something cool for the Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Teach me to do the Michigan. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, really. yeah. Oh, my gosh. How many kids <laughs> want to do the Michigan? Yeah. Don't I forget skating. I want to do the Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. I think some kids would, you know, just if they could just do the Michigan once in a game, they would just – hang up the skates, be like, I, I reached my, my, my zenith. That's the top of all ever go. I'm out. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're definitely not wrong. I think uh, we see that in the thing, all levels, right, from from the kids all the way to, to junior hockey and, and kind of talking about, you know, junior hockey. Um, 
currently, you know, your New England uh, Wolves have had a, a really great season. Uh, this past, uh, they just advanced to the second round, the EHL Frozen Finals, and they'll be facing off against the New Hampshire Avalanche. Tell our listeners a little bit something about, uh, you know, this year's squad. I think we've had a really special group. You know, there's a number of kids in the team which have been here three or four years. They've made some college commitments. Those kids, they were part of a, a core of kids that we recruited a little bit earlier than maybe the other teams would have given, given them the chance uh, within our league. And they've grown into where they are now. And um, it's just a really great group. And I can't, you know, comment enough what the job Tim Kuhn's, our EHL head coach, what he's done. You know, they started off the season um, and they really struggled coming out of the gate. Um, but now since November, they've been, I mean, arguably the best team in the league and, and they're making it into the, the North division finals. And it's just been really, really exciting and fun to watch this group. So do you have any favorite moments of the season so far? So we, like I said, we got off to a, a slow start. We didn't win our fifth game until mid November. And when we did win that fifth game, it was the East coast wizards coming up to play in our building. And, you know, for whatever reason, we were just firing on all cylinders and all the kids that, you know, weeks prior, we were saying, you know, you're going to score. It's going to happen for you. You know, it's the, the law of large numbers. The more you keep doing things, you know, the more likely you are to, to have the result you want to have. And it's like everybody scored that day. We, we, we won that game 10 to 1. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was by far the biggest margin of victory, I think, in our whole league this year. Um, and it was against a really good team who's also, you know, made it to the playoffs. But uh, it just came together. And then after that game, since that game, we've just been really hot and one of the best teams in the league. And I think it was that was a real confidence boosting game for that team. Yeah, it, those are always the best games, though, when you have guys who kind of go through, and I'll call it a mental struggle, because really all it is when they're, you know, they're still getting chances, but they're not finding the back of the net, or they're not, you know, finding whatever success they want, but they're still they're still getting the chances, and it's kind of like that mental block, and once kind of, you know, sometimes I find even, too, like, just having that, just having someone that has confidence in them, and like you said, just, like, continuously them just putting in the work, and then it's usually all happens in one game, and, you know, those are always fun games to be part of, at least on the, the winning side, for sure. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, we had a kid, Xander Allen, a couple years ago, and he was a two-year EHL player before making a commitment to Framingham State, and he, where he played there. Uh, but he didn't score his first goal to um, till like February, I believe it was. Actually, I'm pretty certain it was like uh, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and he scored four goals in one game. And I kept telling him, like, you're getting chances. Be, I would We need to have a conversation if you weren't getting chances. But he was getting a ton of chances. They just weren't getting in the back of the net. And then all of a sudden – Every puck went in the back of the net. So, you know, kids need to take some uh, take something from that sometimes. You know, as long as you're getting chances, you're contributing and that you're part of the culture of the team in a positive way. Like good things can come out of that that uh, you know that that struggle at the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I'm glad you kind of said you know taking something because at the end of the day, like when you think about coaching, you know, uh, coaching is what it was. Like, I forget what the quote is, but 50% of it's basically you know, stealing, a.k.a. borrowing from another coach, um, you know, drills or whatever it be. So, you know, and, and you kind of talked about, you know, the, the the amount of coaching experience you have under your belt. Uh, so from coach to coach, uh, what's a piece of advice you received that really helped you kind of succeed in the coaching world? Uh, that's a good, really good question. Um, I Probably the best advice would be that you're going to have to do stuff for free. You know, my dad, when I got into coaching, I was working in finance and, and was living outside New York City. And he was like, oh, I, you know, my dad was a longtime football coach, hockey coach, baseball coach. And he was like, well, you know, Andy, you're not going to make a ton of money, but you, you're probably going to do a bunch of stuff for free. But if you do stuff for free, you'll build relationships with people and you'll you'll get other opportunities down the road because people you'll show people that you're interested in learning the game and growing the game and becoming a better coach. And it was great advice. And uh, 
you know, there's so many things I've either done on my dime or done for free that ended up paying off in a big way down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's kind of, I think, a lesson that all coaches can learn, even when, you know, you might be lucky enough to be, you know, coaching for a team that is getting, you know, you are getting paid for it. It, it also helps sometimes just kind of, you know, reach out to other teams and, and help other teams, whether it be, you know, here in Canada, like minor hockey or minor hockey in the States, wherever it is, you, you just kind of, you know, reach out, help out, because at the end of the day, um, you know, building a positive relationship no matter and I think before I say this, kind of, I think a lot of coaches see as, well, I need to build a positive relationship up and not down. But I think that's such a bad way of looking at it because a positive relationship, no matter what, always lifts you up, no matter who the person is. And I think, you know, in today's world, everyone's always trying to strive to make a relationship with someone who's where they want to be or someone who's above them. But, you know, making those relationships all over continues to raise you because it's such a small world that kind of everyone knows everybody through some kind of separation. Oh, for sure. And I think, that's a that's a thing too. Like kids can't be just pursuing the the level that they strive to to coach with. Like so, like if you're you're just coming out of college and you want to coach the junior guys or a college level, you know, and and you get offered a job coaching a bantam team or a squirt team, like there's so many lessons to be learned in those athletes and those relationships and you know in those parent situations too. Like you, you know you you become a more well-rounded coach when you are able to assimilate with any level or age player and parent it really helps you in the long run for sure. Yeah. And I think that's a critical lesson. I think not only just in the hockey world and the sports world, but just generally life. Uh, If you really are passionate about something, you might have to do it for free to to gain that knowledge and to gain that experience. And, you know, for me, like even, even something like a podcast, when I decided that I wanted to do one years ago and then finally got around to it in 2020 because COVID left me bored out of my mind. One of the big things I read on every single uh, how to start a podcast thing out there was you have to be passionate about what you're talking about and don't get into it for the money. If you think you're going to make money as a podcaster, dream on. It doesn't happen for like 90 something percent of podcasts. It's just you got to be passionate about the topic and passionate about the subjects. And and then things develop off of that, like even just having this hockey podcast, the amount of um relationships built off of it and the amount of opportunity that has been presented because of it uh, has been awesome. The podcast itself, I only spend money on it, but the the, the relationships and the experience and the knowledge gained uh, has just been absolutely awesome. And uh, that can apply for anything. Uh, if, if you're really passionate about, you know, wine, seek experience from masters of wine and, and sommeliers and, and get that experience and get that knowledge and get that training and then pursue, you know, whatever you wish to pursue in that, that field. But it just, I think it applies to so many aspects of life and it's really, really good advice. Absolutely. I mean, well, speaking of wine, after you're dealing with this year's parents, uh, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Oh yeah. But actually, you know what? We've been talking about hockey this whole time. This is the part of the podcast where we tend to shift to a few more personal questions and, and we steer away from the hockey. It always ends up coming back to hockey because we're a hockey podcast. But the, it's it's part of the opportunity on the podcast for us and the listeners to learn a little bit more about who Andrew is. And uh, I'm going to start right off with what's your favorite non-hockey related book and why? So this is kind of funny. So my dad is a he's a history teacher. And he came up like last week and he was asking me, you know, what I'm reading these days. And I don't know, I got in this whole conversation how I'm not reading much these days. <laughs> and I'm like uh, listening to a lot of podcasts and he's 
70, 74 years old, 73 years old. So he has no idea what a podcast is. He thinks it's probably something <laughs> legal. Um, you know, so I was like, no, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm uninformed, dad. I just, I don't find a lot of time to be reading a lot of books these days. And then he was like, he sent me this email, you know, how I'm missing out <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. But there was a time in my life where I did read a lot. And I uh, always liked really like those Malcolm Gladwell books, you know, like uh, Outliers okay. and Blank and David and Goliath. Those are really good. One summer when we moved up here to New Hampshire, like I, uh, you know, like I said, I'm originally from New Jersey. My wife is from New Hampshire. And I was kind of getting into like New England history. And I read this book called Leviathan. It's all about like the history of whaling. That was a really cool book. <laughs> but I, but in the last huh. year, I probably read zero books, to be honest. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm ah, I'm on the yeah. same boat as you. I I got a I got like a, a hockey book that I won for Christmas, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna read this, and then hockey season started, and I was like, you know what, I'm on chapter four, and it's been since December, so um, it's now becoming a summer project. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have a stack of books next to my bed, but I I haven't cracked one yet. You know, there one of these yeah. days they will get cracked, and I may just like my my dad takes like a he he took a book to my wedding, like he took takes. <laughs> <laughs> he takes like books everywhere and it's like i don't know i just don't want to be that guy either you know <laughs> no I, like that's like my wife's the reader she'll read oh man like a, a multiple books a month like two to five books a month pending and, wow. and none of them are interesting to me at all these are all real like you know U.S. economic books uh like uh, politic books from eastern europe and it just and then she talks to me about him and I don't understand what's happening, but I just nod and smile. And I on the same book that I started months ago called Berlin and I bought it in Berlin. And if I finish it by the end of the year, I will pat myself on the back and be very excited about that. But I'm always looking for book recommendations. I just don't read them enough, but I'm always looking because you just don't know what nuggets of gold you're going to get out there. Cause I'd say the best book I ever read was a gentleman in Moscow by Mort Howells and, I picked that book up in Austria because um, I needed something to read on the train and I had it done before Paris, like less than two days I had that thing done and it's a big book and, but it's so well written and so good that I'm like, if I can find more books like that, I'd be an avid, avid reader, but you know, I'm a goalie. So but Chris, isn't that Berlin <laughs> book that you bought just a picture book? How come you're not done yet? <laughs> There's, I, I'm still trying to pick the difference between oh, okay. this picture. It's the where's Waldo edition, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. I get yes, it. Those I are hard. I, those are hard. But that's the thing too. It's like there's so much information now that's available, like in other sources, like going on YouTube or or podcasts. You know, like uh, my dad just had these. He had he has two new knees. He's gotten them in like the last year and a half. He like during COVID, like he got uh, his knees replaced. And I showed him like on YouTube some different exercises that he can do to, you know, strengthen strengthen his knees. And he was like, oh. You know, yeah, this guy have a book? And I'm like, Dad, you're looking right at YouTube. He's like, he's showing you the exercise. You don't need a book. And he's like, ah, oh, but if the guy had a book, I could just really get into it. And I was like, I don't know. It didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watch way much YouTube um, and hockey TV and definitely don't read enough books. But, yeah, to each their own. <laughs> well, and kind of, kind of talking about, you know, reading and kind of, you know, not having time because of hockey and all that, um, you know, kind of leads into our next question. And, is, you know, if you had to choose another profession that had nothing to do with hockey or sports, what would that job be? That's a good question. So 
that's that's a really good question because now, now I'm like basically ten years into ten years into like solely focused on hockey. Um, you know, like I said, I, I did work in the private sector prior to you know getting into hockey. Probably around my thirtieth birthday was when I just kind of solely and exclusively focused on hockey. Um, you know, and there's been times like over the last you know the last two years when we've had this COVID stuff. It, you know, we I'm talking to my wife and like. Oh, Am I going to have to get another job or different job? Because, you know, I don't know if things are going to going to work out. And, and you know, being a part owner of the Wolves, are we going to have a season? Are we going to be able to get kids in? It was there was some definitely some some serious conversations. And it's just tough to imagine right now not being able to coach hockey. So um, when I do retire, though, I'll probably, you know, still want to get out there and work. And it'll have nothing to do with any hockey. It'll have no parent parental involvement. I'll probably be some kind of yard laborer. At like a uh, like I'll move bricks or, or move cinder blocks for somebody at like uh, maybe at a marina in Key West or just, you know, <laughs> just give me like a minimum wage. That's all. That's all I need. Just, you know, something out in the sun. That's all. Just enough to pay for the green fees of the golf course there. Just, just enough to put, <laughs> put food on the table and that's it. We're good. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that sounds like a pretty so. good. Uh, that sounds like a pretty good sailing off in the sunset kind of job. <laughs> <laughs> I just want enough work to feel like I'm contributing and to get out, and just make enough money to cover some of our trip expenses, and I'll be happy. Yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta place priorities on what, you know, <laughs> the things that are important in life, and uh, you know, I, I, there would never be any other career I'd want to pursue right now. I love coaching hockey, and I. I've devoted so much time to it that it would just be have to be a complete departure from from any kind of thing sports or hockey related. No parents, yard laborer, give me those bricks, I'll move whatever you want. <laughs> cut the grass. It, I don't care. It's it's the best. I mean, you're doing what you love right now and anyone listening, I know there's a lot of people to talk when their hockey career is over, they want to just stay around the sport and you know, that's me and Sebastian in a nutshell. He's coaching now, we're doing the podcast and that's what you got to love about it. And talking about, like I said, me going on trips and stuff, the most recent thing I Googled was a Lazoya Valley map because I want to try to figure out between uh, wine tastings where to burn off some of that wine in terms of hiking trails around Madrid because I'm not really familiar with the area. Uh, what was the last thing you Googled? Good question. Um, so I have, a, I have a six-year-old son. His name's his name is Bear or Baron is his full name. And I realized you know, the other day that this kid, because of all the stuff with COVID, he hadn't been ever like been to a movie theater, like 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 two years. He hasn't been to a movie theater. So uh, wow. I, I Googled, you know, Smitty's in Tilton, New Hampshire. It's one of those movie theaters. You can sit down, you can have lunch. And but there wasn't anything he could really watch or that I could sit through. That was like Sing 2. But I, I just couldn't get into that. <laughs> and then he couldn't. <laughs> I don't think he could handle Batman, the new, which I wanted to see Batman, but I don't think. I think it was a little bit too much for him. So he's going to have to put off seeing a movie in a movie theater. But that was the last thing last thing I checked out, movie times. That's good. That's good. Our official questioning here is done. So this is going to be one of the first times we can actually just break into a couple minutes of hockey talk before I release uh, Sebastian to go back to his work day. It's a big time of year right now in terms of us that are NHL hockey fans. And the most recent podcast that uh, listeners are actually listening to today, because it just dropped, we're talking about the Women's Frozen Four uh, that's upcoming this weekend. But also the NHL trade deadline is coming up this weekend. You guys seeing any of the rumors floating around? 
Uh, I don't even to see some of the rumors. I just I just know that from being here in Ontario and listening to all the whiners. I mean the Leaf fans. I mean the whiners. Sorry, I, I get them confused because they seem to be the same people these days. Is goaltending. So if I'm the Leafs and if I'm Dubis, I you got to find a goaltender that can push you through that first round, or else I think your job's basically gone. Unfortunately, it's, it sounds like your dog's trying to impersonate Leafs fans in the background right there. Yeah, she's a perfect Leaf fan for that. <laughs> Are the Leafs going to get P.K. Subban? Oh, I don't know. That's a, that's a big one. I mean, I, I for me, for me, when I look at it, obviously, cap-wise, you're going to have to get pretty, you know, fancy in how you make a trade, whether it be kind of the three-way trade you did Felino last year where, you know, the Sharks retained some of his, his uh, salary or however they do it. Uh, but, I don't know, to me, I think the biggest thing right now is, is Campbell was having such a great season and now he's hurt. He's also n- never really proven to be the guy. Like to me, it's if I'm the Leafs, I'm doing everything I can to get a guy like maybe Flurry. That's kind of probably my top option. Yes, and just absolutely. anything, anything I can do to make that guy happy and and fit into our, our roster even just for the this playoff run. I think to me that's personally what I would do. But getting Stubank would also help on their DN. But I think right now the goaltending is kind of their has been their biggest hole for the last you know name put a number year kind of years that's always kind of been their issue yeah absolutely yeah I, I think for the least that would be the perfect fit i think any team trying to make an actual serious playoff run that's hurting in net needs to be looking at a guy like flurry because he's got multiple stanley cups he's proven he can take a team all the way there i think vegas made a mistake letting him go i, I know they've got leonard and all but now they're looking for you know other situational goalie issue stuff but I think Flurry is the way to go for the Leafs and, again, for any team that needs goaltending. He's going to get you past the first round. He's been there. He's done that. That's second nature to him. And you don't have to worry about keeping him happy too long because he's if he does play beyond the season, you you won't have to keep him around that long or you just make him a free agent at the end of the year. I think it's high reward, low risk with Marc-Andre Fleury for real, whereas P.K. Subban, I think it's, again, his contract's done at the end of the year, if I'm not incorrect. And, again, high. it depends on what, because I couldn't take on his full salary. If I was to leave, the, the Devils would have to retain some of it, but I don't think the Devils are willing to do that, are they? They can retain up to 50%, I heard, but and they have the cap room, so they could do that. I think it would have to be a good good offer, though, coming back their way in terms of draft picks or something like that. Yeah, something would have to be there. I don't know. For me, the Giroux, the Giroux one is kind of. Oh yeah. It's interesting. I'm also interested in because you know local auto area guy has already kind of said you know potentially would consider signing an auto with the situation they have going on right now. We don't, which would be huge. But does he go as a rental somewhere and then you know fall in love with where he is and, and resign or? And there's so many. I mean, him going to the Avs, especially now with Landis Cog out, just makes so much more sense for the Avs. I mean, they're gonna have to to pay obviously there's gonna be a premium on, yeah. on a guy like Giroux and I've heard the name Bowen Byram get moved around and, and I think that's just because of the injury problems I think he's gonna be a stud uh, but you know he got a concussion this year and then went through kind of some some mental health issues and personal issues that kind of took him away from the game and that's not that's not a knock against the guy I just think that you know unfortunately it just kind of made them realize that with him out of the lineup they can still win uh, and it sucks for him, but I think, you know, maybe that's part of a package that goes back for Giroux. But again, if you're putting a guy like him on a trade block, like you're almost going to want to make sure it's a, it's a, you know, it's a sign and trade or, you know, a trade and sign. Basically, you want to have something in, in place 
to at least keep him locked up for the next year. I mean, I always love, you know, the guys that make that big trade and, and bring a player in. And, I mean, not very often does it become a successful player. You know, Stanley Cup, you know, championship team, when you're just bringing a guy in for, you know, four months and you go for a run, I just don't think you have that time to really bond and, and make that connection. But that being said, you know, you never know. Giroux's a, a top-end guy, and he's going. he would be going to a top-end team. But I've also heard, you know, Giroux to Florida. You know, there, there's a bunch of different teams really going on it. And then you look back, and there's even, like, you know, who – Who's going to make the trade for Chetron? I mean, kid's been, yeah. you know, great for a long time. You know, Florida had the rumors where they were really putting in a heavy package to bring him in. I think that helps them a lot. To me, those, I think, are the two the two main names for me, at least, I look at in the, in the trade rumors right now is kind of Chetron because you're getting a young guy who's going to play for a while. And then Giroux because it's kind of a top six forward that doesn't very often get put up on the market, especially for their playoff run. So, you know, it, the, both those are very interesting names and interesting scenarios. Yeah, I I agree with you there because Chet is from Florida, is he not? Uh, yeah, he, well, he's from the Florida area and trains in the Ottawa area as well. So, uh, but I'm pretty sure he's the you know, home, quote unquote, home calls calls Florida home. So it'd be interesting. And I mean, Florida has basically said they're willing to to move some pretty heavy pieces to to get it done with draft picks and all that. So, um, you know, and and also you know. Um, you know, another team to kind of look at, and I'll talk about it just because, you know, they're my you know local team here in Ottawa, is the Senators. Senators have actually quite a bit of cap room, uh, and they're able to take on a heavy salary, you know, for the rest of the year. So, you know, the Sens have already kind of said, you know, next year our goal is to make the playoffs, and next year we want a top six guy to come in. You know, hopefully they can make a run and try to sign Giroux or, you know, someone like that. But this year they're able to, you know, even get more draft picks in, take on a heavy contract to kind of help a playoff team you know, shed some 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 cap space and, you know, make another trade to bring somebody in. And then, you know, and then for me, just kind of looking forward, talking about trades, looking forward to the offseason. I don't think, you know, Otto's got a ton of draft picks and they can't. I heard an interesting quote from Mark Mathod, actually, when he was covering on TSN. He said, you know, if Ottawa makes all their picks, they're going to need a second AHL team. So it's kind of, you know, hmm. what are they going to do now? They have a ton of cap space. They're going to have a ton of cap space. They're going to have a ton of picks, especially if they can bring another, you know, hefty contract in to kill off for the rest of the year and take in another second or third round pick you know what are they going to do so i mean i think the trade market that's going to happen at the trade deadline is going to really set us up for what's kind of coming in the offseason and i think we're going to have uh i think we'll have a pretty busy trade deadline i think this year but i think uh with the cap finally going back up um i think this offseason we're going to see a ton of trades i i'm a, I'm a devil's fan so i know we're going to be sellers at the deadline here and i like offload Subban, maybe maybe Pavel Zaka too. It's a that's a they'd have to he's a restricted free agent, so they'd have to commit longer term to him. So I'd like to see them kind of move on from him. I think they've got that good core of Hughes and and Heeshear and Ty Smith, and that'll make a big big impact down the road. But right now they're they're still a ways away. So we're gonna be sellers again. Yeah, and I think the Zaka trade, I think you're, you know, for that, like you say, he's a restricted free agent. So, you know, you're, if you can get a team that's willing to kind of commit to him long term, um, you can kind of force their hand to kind of give you, you know, a little more, whether it be a draft pick or, you know, maybe another prospect or, you know, whatever it may be, or even now a plug and play player for right now, uh, or, you know, a combination of all three, maybe. It, you kind of have a name of a player who's still doing well. Um, still probably has something left in the tank to kind of improve on. And, and you know, maybe a team who needs like a player like Zaka. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's, you know, when you look, unfortunately for him, he's kind of, he's not, he's a good player. He can be used uh, at center or wing. He's used on the PK a lot, but it's unfortunate when you consider the players drafted behind him. So he's always going to have this kind of scar with the Devils fans because you have a Wierenski and Provorov and 
Barzell all picked right after him. And, you know, it's like it's a – although he's a good player, it's like there's some really good players picked after him. Yeah, and, and I guess for the Sabres right now, I think the, the biggest fear is maybe the Sheridan Park golf course was concerned that the Sabres might actually make the playoffs this year, which they haven't. So Sheridan Park golf course will be uh, a frequent spot, I assume, of the uh, the Sabres organization for the 11th season in a row. I don't know what we're doing. So, yeah, <laughs> I think we made the right move already. And I um, hope he heard it loud and clear. And I uh, can't wait for him to come back so we can do it all again. But uh, you know, that said, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, we do want to thank, again, our special guest, the co-owner and GM of the EHL's New England Wolves, Andrew Trimble, for jumping on the show with us. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun, and you guys are doing a great job of promoting the game and all the things with junior hockey. So thank you very much. Well, we appreciate it, and we absolutely love this level of hockey. We love junior hockey, and it's it's awesome and fun to talk about. And for your listeners, you like listening to it because you're clearly listening to this, and we want to thank all of you for tuning in. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHH Official to let us know what you think, and also be sure to comment and share any upcoming games or hockey news we should cover in a future podcast. This was the Pigeon Hockey Podcast with Christian Sebastian. Thanks for listening. And remember, always clear your crease.